And so it was Washington Irving who gave Christopher Columbus his heroic stature in America, but it was another group of Americans who really get credit for getting the statues of Christopher Columbus built. That would be the associations of Italian and Irish immigrants who first started celebrating Columbus in local parades in the 1860s. And those same groups, over the next several decades, successfully made the case for state and even national holidays in honor of the explorer. The Irish latched on to Columbus because, like them, he was a Catholic. The Italians focused more on his roots in their homeland. But both groups recognized in Columbus an opportunity to lay claim to America's very first founding father, and in so doing, to overcome their status as second-class citizens and prove that they, too, belonged in America. But there were other immigrants in the late 19th century who weren't so keen on the Italian navigator. One of them was a Norwegian-American scholar named Rasmus Bjorn Andersen. In 1874, Andersen published a book called America Not Discovered by Columbus. It's one of those books where you can tell the thesis from the title. This is Joanne Mancini, a historian in Ireland who's written about how Andersen set out to tell a new story about the beginning of America a story that would appeal to East Coast elites threatened by the wave of Catholic immigration. Instead of beginning in 1492, Andersen's story started with the Vikings in the late 900s. Not only had they made it to the New World, he argued, they had sailed into Massachusetts Bay itself. Hence the town of Woods Hole, allegedly named with the Viking word for hill. Hence the supposed Viking skeleton unearthed in Massachusetts a few decades earlier. Anderson sent copies of his book to luminaries like Henry Wadsworth Longfellow and President Rutherford B. Hayes. And Joanne Mancini says it caught on. And after this point, there was a bit of a, another Viking craze where various people in New England really embraced the idea of Viking discovery. And so, for example, there was a movement, a successful movement to have a statue of Leif Erikson in Boston, which was put up in 1887. And I think actually that there was a period where people found that, you know, every time they kind of uncovered a rock and it had scratchings on it, that, you know, this was, had to be runic inscriptions. <laughs> and what was the appeal to those New Englanders. What about Anderson's book might have been more attractive than the Columbus story as a founding story? Well, I mean, there are a couple of different things, and, and it, it depends on what perspective you take on it. But on the one hand, I think he was trying to appeal to certain understandings that the native-born elite would have had about themselves. So, for example, he emphasized that these Norse settlers, that they had institutions which were, in a way, the predecessor institutions of American institutions. And so he emphasized that they were free men who assembled in uh, what he called open parliaments of the people, referring to something which actually existed, which were these Scandinavian assemblies. And so he was appealing to their understanding of themselves politically, but he was also appealing to the racial sensibilities of the day. Uh, he was suggesting that Americans of British descent were actually descended from the, the Northmen um, through the Norman conquest and through the Norse incursions into Britain. And he was also, I suppose, trying to establish to Americans that modern-day Scandinavians were connected to this and that there was a, a, a link between the two peoples. Right. So freedom-loving freedom people who passed that through their blood and through their cultural heritage. 
Very much. And through their religion as well, um, he was very careful to provide a contrast, actually, between the Vikings and Columbus, whom he described as subservient to Inquisition. Um, and he uh. was, you know, very, he, he told a whole story about how this party of Vikings was led by Leif Erikson, the son of Eric the Red, and that one of the people who accompanied him was Leif's brother, Torvald Erikson. And so in Anderson's book, he presents the story that Torvald was killed by Indians in North America. Uh, crosses are erected on his grave and that he sheds Christian blood. It's a way for him to almost invert the, uh, the history that people would have known and indeed that people were still experiencing at the time about conquest, where most of the violence would have been perpetrated by Europeans against Indians. And so, in a way, he has this kind of alternative history of the discovery of America, where the violence is is, is going primarily in the other direction against Europeans. And it's kind of a, an interesting story to be telling the people, because if you, if, you, if you think about this period, a lot of people in New England were quite uncomfortable with um, many of the trends in the West. Right. And so Anderson was giving them this sort of other story, which says, well, these people of free institutions and of, you know, the true um, race and Christianity come to America. They engage in battle with the Indians. The Indians win. And, you know, it's a very different sort of um, take on things than the, than, than the normal history that they would have had to confront. And it's also a different story to the story of Columbus, where, of course, there would have been a very strong tradition to emphasize the, what we would think of as the genocidal implications of the Colombian conquest. If 19th century New Englanders uh, were taken by this story, as many were, um, how come it didn't, you know, take off in the 20th century? Yeah, I think there are a couple of different dimensions of that. One is that in the 1920s, there is a successful push to have very strict restrictions on immigration. And so a lot of the, th the, the dynamics which were pushing these kinds of distinctions between, say, Southern Europeans and Northern Europeans start to fade away because there, is, there are legal restrictions which are preventing um, many of these new populations from entering the country in, in large numbers. And so people become less preoccupied with that. And so the kind of um, late 19th century search for alternative origins and the kind of building up of an identity based on a very specific racial history becomes, I suppose, less of a feature um, of American racial politics as people become more focused on other issues um, regarding race. Joanne Mancini is a historian at the National University of Ireland, Maynooth. We'll post a link to her article about America's 19th century Viking enthusiasm at BackstoryRadio.org. It's time for another break. Coming up next, Columbus is asked to answer for his crimes to a room full of teenagers. You're listening to Backstory. We'll be back in a minute. 